0: Welcome to Excel Radio with Dr. Nick Zarowski, where we talk with world-class entrepreneurs, executives, and health experts who have unlocked the secrets to Excel health and performance.
1: Hi and welcome to Excel Radio. This is your host and high performance expert, Dr. Nick Zarowski. In this episode, I am going to be speaking with Adam Singer. Adam is the owner of Hardcore Gym in Athens, Georgia. He is also an MMA coach who was inducted into the MMA Hall of Fame and voted MMA Coach of the Year for three years running. Adam also is the coach of Forrest Griffin, one of the most popular fighters in MMA history and was there in the ring with him when he won his his major championship. If that isn't enough, Adam is also the senior scientist at a medical facility. I'm very excited to have Adam on the show with us today and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey Adam, thanks for joining us today. Starting off, could you tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: Sure. My name is Adam Singer. I'm located in Athens, Georgia, and I'm mostly known as an MMA coach. So I'm the head coach of the Hardcore Gym here in Athens. Uh, I train fighters. I train regular people. I coach uh, mixed martial arts. I coach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I spend a lot of my time now just coaching regular people, uh, helping them achieve their goals, a lot of different and varied goals. Um, Little writing I dabble in some other things I dabble in some corporate speaking and things like that something I'd like to get into more uh, I run the gym with my brother uh, he does most of the day-to-day operations and most of the heavy lifting and keeping the business running and being successful and I'm uh, I do a little more of the coaching side a little more of the uh, interacting with our students in that respect and uh, we have a really nice balance Jim has been growing steadily uh, over the years Uh, We've made a transition from pretty much 20 guys without shirts on punching each other in the face to a place that now on a normal day will have three and a half year olds up to people over 50 years old and and everyone's just trying to chase some kind of of betterment, some kind of personal satisfaction, some kind of personal improvement. And it's a really wonderful place. It's got a fantastic energy and uh, we just keep building it and, and making it better.
1: That's awesome. How did you get into all of this?
0: So I, after high school, I joined the Navy. Uh, I wasn't prepared to go to school. I, I wasn't really academic. Um, and so I joined the Navy. I spent some time in the Navy just growing up a little bit. And I got out of the Navy, and I, I realized that I did want to pursue academics, that I really enjoyed um, formalized learning. And so I went to junior college, and I moved down to Georgia, and I started engineering school. Uh, My brother followed me down here. We've always been just super close, and so he followed me down here. Uh, We both went to engineering school, but we were both a little older, and we both needed something to do. We needed an outlet. So since we had both wrestled, uh, we picked up boxing. And since the UFC was really early uh, and we really enjoyed that, we just started sort of gearing our training towards that. Uh, We started traveling a lot. We started training with a lot of people. We started really seeking out information, hooked up with some really great mentors. And it just, it led to what it led to. Uh, My brother started fighting. I started becoming more involved in coaching. And we've just had a lot of success over the years. We've we've been around for, at some point soon, we're going to celebrate a 20-year anniversary. I probably should look uh, to see when that's going to be. Um, But it was just sort of a natural progression. We never really planned on any of it. We just let it happen. You know, I always had a a Engineering degree my brother has an engineering degree. So we had other things to fall back on and this just sort of naturally occurred
1: That's really interesting. So you um, You guys gained a lot of popularity in the MMA world. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, so we happen to be lucky enough, you know, Coaching is is a really interesting thing. There are are great coaches that no one will ever know because the right person never walks into their gym. Uh, I just so happen to have some of the right people walk into my gym. And one of those people was named Forrest Griffin. And in the early days of the UFC, when it was really on the tipping point of either going away or becoming popular, uh, Forrest really was the person that pushed it over. And he was involved in some really big fights and he was involved in the first uh, TV show and the first primetime fights. And because of that, it really helped my name and the gym's name. Um, But, you know, he did all the heavy lifting. And that's sort of how it works in 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 MMA and in coaching and and in coaching in general. Um, A a coach needs the right people around him and and if they walk into your gym – and you can do the right thing with them then, then you can get some level of success. And I just we happen to have that happen at the right time.
1: That's very interesting. So Forrest Griffin walks into your gym and, you know, is is, is he already pretty good or did you have to really spend a lot of time working with him to get him to where he needed to be? Now
0: Forrest when Forrest comes in the gym, MMA is very young. Um, people don't necessarily know how to train it, how to be successful in it. Forrest had no training previously, he had some police training and stuff, but he had no MMA training. He'd never really done anything in school. Um, and so we sort of, we learned together. Uh, we, we experimented, we, we seeked out people that had knowledge that we needed, and we went and we found it and brought it back. And you know, Being an engineer, I, I understand the thought process on solving problems, I understand that. My brother's an engineer as well. And it just sort of helped us do that. And Forrest had the quality that is needed uh, to be a champion, which is just always willing to work hard and always willing to fail and always willing to push himself. And that that makes a coach's job much, much easier. So it was more with Forrest. It was never why aren't you training with Forrest? It was always more of you need to stop like you've done enough this week.
1: Okay. And, <laughs> so as, as you're, co- as you're coaching him, I'm just wondering what, you know, what, what does this look like? Because you said that the, the, the UFC was really young at the time. Nobody really had like some type of uh, blueprint on what it takes to have a professional fighter. So I, I'm kind of like wondering, like, where did, where did you start with, uh with, with this sort of thing? And, um and, and what did it take to get there?
0: right so i have um i have a mentor and his name is matt thornton he runs an organization called straight blast gym and if you're a fan of mma right now you'll realize that the biggest star in mma conor mcgregor is also part of straight blast gym so this matt really helped set us up with the concepts that we needed to learn and and one of those concepts was called aliveness and what aliveness is is a method of critical thinking but it's also it's a method of testing everything and that's really what we did to figure this out so I was training every day as well I'm, I'm not that much older than Forrest and my brother who also was in the UFC and, and some of the other guys and so we would seek out knowledge and we'd bring it back and we test it for real And we put on the gloves we put on headgear and we would test everything, and if it worked, we kept it. If it didn't work, we got rid of it. And we went and we 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 also trained with the people that were doing the parts of MMA at a really high level. So we went and learned how to box and kickbox. We went and learned how to wrestle. We went and learned Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Those are sort of the three main components that make up mixed martial arts. And just by being on the mat together with this group of people every day who are willing to work hard, uh, we developed a lot of, a lot of cutting edge, for lack of a better term, training methods and, and um, those developed over the years. And, and even now, you know, straight blast Gym and, and the members and the coaches are, are pushing uh, what's the cutting edge of mixed martial arts training because techniques everyone has the same techniques everyone has a jab cross and a hook everyone has a double leg takedown everyone's training brazilian jiu-jitsu now it's about how do we train How, how do we functionalize those things how do we make those things work for real
1: right it's it's kind of funny because like when you say that i think about like when it when people first started snowboarding quite a bit or or when f- people first started doing all kinds of tricks and motocross, like, you know, they were doing things that were like, you know, cutting edge that you look at today and it's like, well, that was that was like nothing, you know, so I'm sure that um, I'm sure that when you started, like, you know, because it was so new, um, it, w- it was probably it was probably in a way. Uh, easier to come up with new methods but as like it keeps progressing and progressing it probably gets more and more challenging am i correct
0: oh for sure and and you know the first guys that were doing those tricks you know their broken bones and and their injuries paved the way for the guys to do what they do now so the early guys in mma had to pave that way you know at first it's a simple trick. At first, it's just being a good athlete and being a tough guy. That was enough to win. And then it was, if you had wrestled in college, you could be a world champion. And now we've gotten to the point where you have to be approaching a world-class level in, in all the areas. You have to really be a complete fighter. So what becomes more important now is how do you train? How do you drill? How do you treat you know, how do you do strength and conditioning? How do you do nutrition? How do you do recovery, the mental aspects? So the sport grows. Um, and and if you look at other sports, we're just sort of becoming, MMA is a sort of becoming what the other big sports are. You know, those things all exist in professional football. Those things exist, um, I'm not gonna say in professional baseball because they're a little behind in certain areas. Um, but they exist in professional football. And so in MMA, at least myself, I look at professional football and see what do they do? How do they train? How do they treat their athletes? And then we just try and emulate
1: that. That's very interesting. How many hours do they spend? Uh, does, a, does a fighter um, who's practicing to go into the ring, how many hours do they spend a day in the gym?
0: I can't answer, or, you know, in in general.
1: Um, in general.
0: So in in general, there are there are fighters that spend eight hours a day in the gym. Wow. You know, there are fighters that spend that much time, all the way to the other side where there are fighters that spend you know three or four hours, and it's not you know it's not hard three or four hours. If it's eight hours, it's certainly not a hard eight hours. No one can do that. And I think those days have sort of passed as performance enhancing drugs are leaving the sport. Um, I think there's a limit to what the body can take. Like a couple of weeks ago, I went and visited my friend, Jeff Bredoherty, he's a coach at, um, UT Chattanooga division one wrestling team. And, and I went to his practice, it was an hour and a half. And so they, they wrestle and drill for an hour and a half and then they come back and they may drill just very lightly for another hour and they do strength and conditioning for, you know, let's say an hour. So one and a half, two, so three and a half hours, three hours. I think that that's really a a good place for a, a professional fighter or an up and coming fighter to train.
1: Very good. What does the nutrition look like for these fighters? I know that they must be dialed in pretty good if they're if they're performing, you know, four to even six to eight hours a day. It's got to be pretty good. What is this looking like for them?
0: So I would say that for most fighters, the nutrition aspects are still a little bit behind. Um, because fighting is a weight class sport, I'm not... I don't think most fighters are really dialed in uh, where they need to be. Now, that's not to say that it's not paid attention to. It's not to say that we're not, you know, researching and trying to be uh, as diligent as possible. But fighters, you know, some fighters have a tendency to get very big between fights and have to cut a lot of weight. Um, and and they don't watch the nutrition as well as they should. Um the caloric demands are huge for a fighter. Um, and so as far as nutrition, you know, I would like, my, I would like fighters to eat clean. Um, I would like fighters to not necessarily weigh and measure everything. That's, that's very difficult. But really concentrate on getting enough of the macronutrients that they need to, to recover. Um, really paying attention to the pre, during, and and post-workout nutrition. I think timing becomes a little more important for an athlete uh, than just general nutrition. I think the nutrient timing becomes really important. Uh, Most of the guys drink tremendous water because it's very easy to dehydrate during a practice. Um, and, And now you're starting to see some guys on the scene that are, that are being heralded as sort of nutrition experts. Like George Lockhart's a good example. He's been working with um, some of the straight blast gym guys and, and a lot of UFC fighters um, right now. His main job is to help people cut the weight and, and get, you know, make their weight classes in a healthy manner. But I think you'll see more and more fighters um, getting more educated nutrition as, Ironically, I just finished my first certification in nutrition so I could be uh more of a help in that area from a year round basis. I've always understood the idea of weight cutting um but I wanted to be able to be more of a help to to the guys year round not just a fighter's nutrition you know is probably even more important than working out for a regular person you know if a person wants to meet health and fitness goals then nutrition is the, the the main pillar and then everything gets built off there where for years uh working out has been the main pillar right. and people don't get the results that, that they really want that way mm-hmm. so yeah i would say nutrition supplementation um even I've worked with some d one football programs and stuff, and even there, I'm surprised that they most programs don't have a full time nutritionist on staff
1: right you know? no, I agree, I think it's huge. A lot of people like you said, it's to been the main pillar. a lot of people go to the gym and they're working their butts off, sweating it out, but they aren't losing weight, but you know they're they're totally um you know they're just not even paying attention to the fact of uh you know they're eating very poor quality food, So I think it's huge.
0: Right. And I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to push the guys to eat more protein. I'm trying to push the guys to eat more whole foods and trying to get the guys to time their carbohydrates to post-workout periods. And, and, and I've had, you know, I've had success. And the guys that are the more disciplined guys are always willing to do that. Uh, the guys that have a little less discipline then you know we pick and choose our battles.
1: Absolutely. You know? Is there any particular diet? Like, if we, is there a name of a diet that the average fighter uses, or is it just whatever works for them?
0: Yeah, you know, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't say that there's a, that there is a name of a diet. In in our gym, uh, and we have some, we have some other nutrition guys that are very good. I would say the overall philosophy in the gym. Would be um, you know carbohydrate control now that doesn't mean low carb it doesn't mean it just means timing and using carbohydrates generally around workout periods as opposed to throughout the day, so the majority of eating is made up of proteins and fats and, and small amounts of carbohydrates. And the majority of carbohydrates are taken in around the workout period when they have the most value.
1: Okay. I I got a question for you about that too because a lot of people who are trying to lose weight, they just, you know, they think no carbs, no carbs. Why are carbs important, especially around the time that you're working out?
0: So here's the thing. I've just completed a very thorough self-experiment on weight loss. What I mean by that is about a year and a half ago I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And we know that, type, that diabetes is it's an inability of the body to process glucose, it, it's, whether it's due to insulin release, whether it's due to other factors. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a glucose metabolism issue. Mm-hmm. And so I experimented on myself. I've lost about, like when you saw me, uh, that was down about 60 pounds from when I was diagnosed. Wow, Uh, which is crazy because I work out again. It's a good example. I work out really hard. I train with professional fighters I lift weights, but I was eating just terribly. I was eating just horribly Um, I had built up some really bad eating habits over the years I would make you know make up for lack of sleep and make up for stress by eating terribly Um, so I'm sorry back to carbs so carbohydrates Are necessary fuel for an athlete the only way to to replace carbohydrates as a fuel is to go into uh, what's called ketosis and that's that's an interesting metabolic uh, thing that that would you know we could talk about separately but without going into that sort of specialized case the body needs carbohydrates so Instead of taking a person and saying, all right, no carbohydrates, and they'll lose weight very rapidly, but that's not a very easy way to live. Like, if you go into the grocery store, you very quickly realize that probably 70% of the things that are offered to you in the grocery store or out in the world are carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So telling someone don't eat carbohydrates the rest of your life is, is not, not going to help them. It's not going to work for them. So what we try and do is maneuver the carbohydrates to when the body is most able to use them. And what research has shown is the body is most able to use carbohydrates near the end of the day and especially during a post-workout period. And so by manipulating that, we can do two things. We can reduce the amount of carbohydrates someone takes in, and, and still achieve the recovery from the day or from the workout so that they wake up the next day well-rested and ready to go again. Um, if you And I've experimented with low-carb, I've experimented with ultra-low-carb, and I've lost weight, but I've also ended up in situations where I get home from the gym, I eat my no-carb meal, and I can't sleep at night because your body needs carbohydrates to sleep.
1: Right, they Wake serve up. a purpose.
0: Right, they serve an important purpose. They serve an important purpose for the brain function. Uh, I found I wasn't as sharp on no-carbohydrates. And it's just it's difficult. I, I've done a little consulting with um, some parents who have children that have seizure disorders, and seizure disorders, seizure disorders, sorry, are controllable in some cases with a ultra low carb ketogenic type diet. Yes. And on paper it sounds wonderful, but telling a 12 year old or a 13 year old that they can't eat any of these things anymore and they have to bring their own food and they have to, is really, really difficult. Right. So if that's difficult for a parent and a child combating a disease then it's even more difficult for a regular person. So instead we instead of saying no carbs I I tell people that they need to be very strict in the morning, a little less strict at lunch and then a little less strict at dinner. And what happens is when we look at the total amount of carbs that a person I'm working with eats, it's usually much closer to 100 grams of carbs, and that's probably down from three or four hundred for a normal person having problems with their weight.
1: Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because I think it's something that's uh, very misunderstood. So, you know, switching gears a little bit here, I had uh, spoke, um, you know, uh, with you at a event. And um one of the things that you were talking about quite a bit is you know the hard work and determination that it beca- it really takes to become a fighter but also the hard work and determination that it takes to own and operate a business. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yes, yeah, so when the first years of the gym, probably the first 10 years of the gym, we focused on fighting. And then gradually over the last six years, I've really started to focus on regular people and helping regular people achieve something. When you help one person win a world title, you've done something amazing, but you've helped one person. When you help a group of people in the gym lose weight, do better in school, uh, help their relationships, whatever it is, then you can help a lot of people. But instead of just starting back at square one, I thought about how to apply the principles that I use with the fighters with regular people. And while doing that, my business started to grow. And I realized we were applying the same exact principles to uh, our business. And and we've had a lot of success over the years with both helping a tremendous number of people and with our business growing. So we started focusing on some of those things. And I I won't go over all of them. But – Some of the things we focused on was the ability to fail. So a fighter, an athlete, has to be comfortable with failing more than they're ever successful. Uh, A fighter has to be comfortable with going in and working hard enough that most of the things they do fail. and realize that in the business world, it was the exact same way, that if we weren't willing to fail, if we weren't willing to invest, if we weren't willing to say, all right, this, this may or may not work, if we were afraid of that, then we really couldn't accomplish anything. Then we right. would just stay as part of the status quo. And if a fighter, an athlete not afraid to try things in practice and to fail and to work with people that are better at certain things, uh, then they couldn't grow either. And so that's one thing that that we really preach. Um, Another thing we really preach is the power of now. And what I mean by that is people are always waiting to get somewhere to do something. So as an example, I'll have amateur fighters who tell me that they want to be a champion one day. They tell me they want to be in the UFC, but they don't train like that right now. And for a person that wants to be successful in the business world, you can't wait around until you're successful to work like you're a success. It takes years and years of accomplishing very little, but working your tail off to build that foundation that all of a sudden you're an overnight success. But you know what it's take to achieve that and you do it now. And it's something I really push with everyone. If you have goals, if you have these big future goals or future plans, you have to start working on them now. You can't wait until you get there to start working. Because if if that's the case, you won't get there. So for a fighter, that would be training like you're a professional today, like you're a champion right now. What does a champion do? And that that's easy to see because – We know what champions do, it's out there. And if we're talking about being an entrepreneur, we have people like you telling people what they're doing on a daily basis, how hard they're working. We have other entrepreneurs telling us exactly how hard they work and what they do. And it's just a matter of emulating that now. And over time, you have no choice but to succeed. So I think those are really the, the, the main principles. And the last one is really getting everybody, either it's a fighter or a regular person or a business owner, to understand that the process is the most important thing, that you have to focus on what you're doing right now and do it to the best of your ability. And then the next thing. And then the next thing, and if you just stack those pieces on each other, if you stack those successes on each other, losing one pound, pulling a little more weight in a deadlift, uh, getting a great pad session as a fighter, improving in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, learning another piece of your craft as a business owner, you just stack those successes on each other. Again, you're setting yourself up for success.
1: Yeah, that's all, that's great advice. I really like the power of now, and I know that you know you're you're no stranger to hard work. I mean, with just you know the accomplishments that you've had with taking MMA fighters to the top. Um, you know, the, the gym that you own and operate. And then, you know, you kind of, you kind of set me back a little bit today. Cause I, I'm not going to lie. I knew you as like the, the, the guy who coaches top fighters. And then you told me that you're a senior scientist in a, in a pharmaceutical company. So I was a little bit set back by that.
0: Um, yeah. So my love has always been science. Um, I am, I am 100% a nerd I always have been <laughs> I just happened to also be a nerd that was a good athlete I happen to be a nerd that that liked to box I happened to be a nerd that wrestled in high school but I never lost that identity and, and by nerd I really mean someone that is, is seeking out you know knowledge above all else you know I love critical thinking I love acquiring knowledge I love education I read a a tremendous amount on all kinds of topics that have to do with what I'm doing and sometimes they don't and then I realize they do um so I've never I haven't left my day job I have a master in engineering and I I do research and development on vaccines every day I I run some labs and I wear a bunny suit the the big white suits and I do some really cool things here and you know I'm lucky enough that my brother really enjoys running a gym and is growing as a business person all the time. Um, And I have a great staff. I have a general manager, Luke Federico, who's just, you know, he has allowed me to stay here. Mm -hmm. Um, At this point, I don't know which one is my hobby. Um, And when one of them gets too stressful, you know, who knows, I'll step back from it. But right now, it's working really well. I work uh, nine to five in the lab doing my science stuff. And then I head over to the gym. It's only five minutes away and I get to spend time with my people. I get to spend time with with regular students, with fighters, with my friends, with my family. My wife lifts there. My daughter trains there. I got kids that are there that that I've known, you know, for nine years. I've watched them grow up and it's it's really awesome. It's very time consuming. But, you know, how else would I want to spend my time?
1: Right, it sounds like you're perfectly happy, you know, living living that life and you know, having bouncing between both of those jobs probably you know, it seems stressful to uh a lot of people, but it's very clear that you love it. You love both of them.
0: It is. And and you know what? I'm I'm probably at this point because of my day job, I'm not able to give everything I have to my own business. I'm not able to focus You know, I can only imagine if I focus another eight hours a day on my business, what we could achieve. But I've put people in position. My vision is very clear. My brother and I share a vision. We share a vision of helping people. We share a vision of of community within the gym. Um, And so we're all working towards that. Uh, At some point, you know, Rory and I have some plans to to open another location. We have some plans to do some other entrepreneurial stuff. I'd like to get more involved in corporate speaking. and And then, if it becomes a point that I can't do both jobs well, then I'll make a decision. But right now, with my staff and my brother and the support that we have, I can't complain. I can't complain about anything.
1: Hey, well. That's awesome. I appreciate your insight and uh, and just the different knowledge that you shared with us. It's really uh, awesome. Every time I speak with you, I learn so much. And um, I know that this is going to be awesome for our listeners to have the opportunity to hear you. Uh, speak as well. You know, last time I heard you speak, I was like, I got to get you on because you know I want everybody to hear this message. So, you know, appreciate you coming on, spending your time. I know you're very busy, uh, spending your time with us, and um, and um, like I said, we're very appreciative of it.
0: Well, thank you very much, Doc. Any anytime you need something, just uh, holler at me. I'm easy to find. If anyone listening to this podcast wants to find me, um, just look for the Hardcore Gym in Athens, Georgia, and Uh, or find me on Facebook and if you have any questions I'm happy to answer them I like meeting new people and I love
1: helping people alright well awesome and once again thanks for coming on take care Doc yep bye
0: if you want more information to multiply your
1: health and simplify your lifestyle visit our website at excelpodcast.com until next time have an outstanding day